Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Warning. This podcast may contain graphic descriptions of physical and sexual violence against adults, children, and animals. Prepare yourself or do not enter. Hello, and welcome to Bent and Twisted, the podcast where we tell each other true tales of madness and the macabre over mimosas and marijuana. In fact, party favors for this episode are smokable flowers from Phoenix Farms, the flowers that will have you rising from the ashes, and magic mimosas made with five-book champagne, Tampico, and a splash of pomposus. I'm your host, JR, a vision and seersucker. It's a balmy summer here in West Hell. So come with me out to the garden. My co-hosts, Jay and Khadijah, are already by the fire pit. Pull up a chase and listen with us. Khadijah is about to tell us the story of Rhonda Wisto, the puppet master. Alright, so shall I just continue? Are you going? Am I going? Here, let me have some weed. What happened? You are going to be telling your story. No, I'm going to be telling my story. Yeah. Why were you asking who's... T- no, that's what. Uh, you don't need this. No. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I do. This is just proof that I do need this. <laughs> I'm not high enough for this shit. <laughs> All right. Wait. One more bong hit. You know, has a thing that I find kind of cute in that before bed and before. When he wakes up, the first thing he does is look at cute birds on Instagram. It's his last thing he does and the first thing he does. And But, like, so many cockatiels know September in particular. And it's, like, over and over and over again they sing this fucking song. Do you remember? It's like, it was cute the first ten times. And now it's, like... Yes, I remember. <laughs> yes, I remember. Twenty first of September, no. and it's our anniversary. Is it nine eleven? Remember? Oh, yeah, okay. What? I'm just How many to... years has it been? Twenty one <laughs> years. I think it was two thousand. Yeah, two thousand one. Well, yeah, it was nine eleven. <laughs> so, 21, 21 years we've been friends. 
We've known each other longer than we haven't known each other. We've, yeah. That's crazy. Jesus Christ. Hold on to the good ones. Yeah. So I'm saying. And to make our. My word of advice. And to make ourselves feel even older. Our fucking 20 year high school. (laughs) Oh God. Did that happen? I don't think it did. No, it's uh, 2026. So a few more years. (laughs) We would have been out of high school for 20 fucking years. Did you know that next year GTA 5 will be 10 years old? I haven't released anything else other than Red Dead. Well, I mean, in the sense of Grand Theft Auto. Hearing these little glimpses of like rumors about GTA 6. It's definitely in development. And I hear like one of the main characters is going to be female for the first time. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not planning on being impressed by Rockstar's rendition as a female. Honestly, they have some pretty cool female characters in some of the earlier games, at least. So, I don't know how it'll be new. What is the earlier game that we're talking about? GTA 4 has like a mob boss chick who's like bi and she's it's not like she's yeah but still but she was still a twat she was still as a character the twatty type of character that rockstar makes plus everybody mixed up exactly and then mixed up with every kind of racial stereotype that happens well she could be a twat but they just need to make her i'm just saying she's going to be especially a rockstar twat she's gonna have some kind of racist kind of shit going on She's gonna have some sexist kind of shit going on because that's what Rockstar is. I think so negative. (laughs) So reality shit. What am I supposed to say? No, they're very neutral about their portrayal. Their portrayals of women are very. Fuck all that. Their portrayals of women are. No, fuck all that nonsense. I love Rockstar games, but. Yeah. They do much better with the character, women characters in Red Dead. Than they do in uh, Grand Theft Auto. The same writers, but like literally every single person in Grand Theft Auto is a piece of shit that deserves to die, and that's I kind of appreciate that because yeah, but I don't want to play that character. I mean, like I want to have my own story that I'm telling in my head. That's why I don't like the fact that they want my character, they want to voice my character. It's like shut up. It's like they kind of fucked up Fallout by voicing your character in Fallout. GTA so, you know, Online is... Can you imagine better. the voicing your character in Skyrim? <laughs> they yeah. probably will on the next one. No, please don't. I mean... Don't. Look, I don't want them to, but... Well, like, why are they... Why would they? Because they don't know why people like their games. Nor do they care to ask. They think they know what you want, and it just ends up being a fucking clown So... Show. It's a clown show, huh? Yeah. So we're all just like puppets and marionettes. Speaking of. Speaking of. It all came back. <laughs> all leads back to fisting. Mm. It all leads back to fisting. So the events in this story occurred in September of 2010. This is a fucked up story that I first came across on one of those crime shows where they dramatize the events of a crime. Oh, God. So, sometime later, I came across another crime show that was dramatizing the events of the same case. And it was presented in such a different way that I didn't even recognize it was the same case until I was, like, halfway through it. It's like, oh, wait a second. Are this this supposed to... So, to give an example of how these presentations varied between these two shows... 
Most of the events in this case occurred within the home of a 47-year-old woman named Rhonda. Now, one of the show writers on one of the shows got it into their head somehow that Rhonda was a butterfly collector. And that's how they described her, a 47-year-old butterfly collector. And with that little tidbit, the production designer got to work with prop masters and stuff and came up with a little butterfly greenhouse attached to the home. The home was this spacious, expensively furnished mansionette. And the dining room had this long, shiny table that could seat about 12 people. And there was a butterfly motif in practically every scene, including a scene in a hospital room that had nothing to do with Rhonda. And yet there was still a stained glass butterfly lamp on the nightstand. Well, I don't know. They had, it, they had to use it. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I mean, I've been in a lot of hospital rooms. I've never seen just like stained glass lamps just hanging out. They have in the there. most utilitarian, you know, like, bland, basic shit. <laughs> Thank you. I have yet to see a single mention of butterflies in relation to Rhonda, let alone her collecting them. See, they implied that she was. Funding an upper-middle-class lifestyle for herself and her son solely from the lucrative industry of butterfly acquisition Wait. and distribution. So this is completely untrue. Like, Again, I've anything? never seen mention of butterflies in any capacity having anything to do with this woman. Which show is this? This show was... Right Homicide. Deadly no. Devotion. <laughs> no, it was uh, the show with the butterflies all over the place. Oh. Murder with Friends. I don't want to get that confused with the online show with Grace uh, Baldridge, because that was actually a pretty good show. And that was like murder with, whatever it is, this show was the other one. Okay. And this was like something that you would see on Hulu or something. So, in any event, uh, I decided to look into this a bit because, you know... I wanted to put it together in some kind of cohesive fashion. And I'm not going to claim that this is the Holy Grail because I reserve the right to be as wrong as everybody else because apparently we're not all telling the same story. So I'm going to tell you the story of the downfall of one of the most successful drug rings in the history of Southern California and the mastermind who built a criminal empire from nothing. An ambitious and enterprising drug lord determined to become the female El Chapo del Norte. Well, that's not true. I just lied. <laughs> so really, I'm going to tell you the story of a handful of methods who decided to go into the meth business while they were all smoking meth, because what could go wrong? <laughs> so Great plan. Further pointing out that they just completely fabricated certain details on that show. I saw nothing about butterflies. Really. She had this business, Rhonda, and what, she, what her business was was being run out of the luxurious environs of her double-wide in the Galaxy Mobile Home Park in Napomo, California. Not a mansionette. A double-wide trailer on oh Mars God. Street. It could have been the mansion of double-wide trailers. You don't know. It's a double-wide. It is a double. You know, it is. So, Ron... Re- sorry, sidebar. I remember when we were in Virginia, when Mom and Dad were shopping for a house... Mom really wanted to move into like one of those trailers. She would have been in her element. Sorry. Sidebar there. Sorry. 
family meeting. <laughs> <laughs> so <clears throat> Rhonda was the ringleader of this enterprise. And as far as I can ascertain, the only butterflies she was collecting were disaffected young white men who owed her favors. And she was also a white person, so, you know, let's not, you know, get confused here. She was born in 1963 and was raised in San Marco, California. Her parents were both barely 20 when she was born, and it was either a shotgun wedding or the shortest gestation of full term in recorded history. They were married in late December, and she was born on May 1st. There's not a whole lot of information available to, you know, in the public record about her early life. She wasn't running around setting fires and killing animals like some folks do. She, you know, just grew up in Southern California, which really means absolutely nothing. But what we do know is that the D did catch up with her sooner rather than later, it turns out. And she had a son named Frank when she was about 22 years old. Wow. She married twice, divorced twice, took some courses in community college, discovered meth, and then settled in Napomo. Now, Napomo? Napomo is a small town in San Luis Obispo County oh. in California. Now, Cal Poly is near there, along with a couple of community colleges. But I would not call it a college town, like Berkeley is a college town, Davis is a college town. But it is a town with a college near it. Right, So California Men's Colony, San Luis Obispo, is a prison. And that prison is closer to Napomo than Cal Poly. But then again, Cal Poly and the Men's Colony are much closer to each other than either of them are to Napomo. The only reason that I mention it is because the show with the butterfly collecting had described Napomo as a college town. Got it. Sort of like saying El Cerrito, California, is a college town. You know, what's got colleges near it, but it is not known for college, you know? It's just known for a long street with a bunch of stores. As I've already mentioned, Rhonda had been using meth for a while, for years. And I don't know whether she thought she was addicted or not, or whether she believed she could stop using anytime she wanted, or whatever the fuck. In any case, she decided <clears throat> she wanted to make a career out of dealing in meth distribution. Yeah, you know, that's a career. You know, it's distributed more from just like a guy on the street to her nose or whatever, but she wanted to. You know what I want to do with my life? The perfect career move that I could possibly do? I want to sell meth. Yeah, I mean, well, she thought it was lucrative. I mean, I bet it was in Napomo. I bet it is in Napomo. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, um,. She had been doing it in small amounts for a while, but now she had ambitions to go big. <laughs> go hard or go home. You know? So it's been about 19 years since she gave birth to her only child. Now, I'm going to call him Son Frank from here on out because there are a few people in this story and Name I want to keep Frank. them. I want to get them, keep them from getting mixed up. So Rhonda's living in the Galaxy Mobile Home Park in Napoma with her 19 year old son, Frank. Rhonda uses meth, and so does her son, Frank. Great. Family bonding. Uh-huh. And Rondo, Rondo. <laughs> Rhonda and Frank, son Frank, are close. They're very close. He loves his mom. He'd do anything to protect her, especially now that she's in her middle years, and he's young and strong. And uh, Rhonda had aspirations to make her new calling a family business, and she calculated that son Frank would be an asset to their enterprise. Now, a few months earlier, they were joined in the trailer by Cody from Fresno. 
Cody, <clears throat> Cody was 22 years old and an athletic and strong person, as were all of these guys. Cody was experienced in breaking and entering. That was his specialty. Frank and Cody met through friends, and Cody decided to stay with them in Napomo, where he could learn about selling drugs and teach Frank thievery. So I'm going to call him Thief Cody. I feel like out of all the drugs to sell, the least glamorous one is meth. Well, if you've been watching Breaking Bad, you might think you'll be you run into like Gus Fring and make a bunch no, of money. But you're just gonna run into a bunch of methods. Yes, but you would. Yeah, <laughs> that's it. Well, I mean, you you're probably already one, and you're probably already mm-hmm. sitting around with them, and that's where you got this great and, idea. And then, then you become a meth head and end up in Jay's backyard, <laughs> looking through the window. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, are you sure it wasn't Charon? No, it's the method. <laughs> are you sure it wasn't method Charon, the boatman? Apparently, like, there's been weird shit going on in the creek lately. Like, the other night, I thought I heard, like, somebody walking Ugh. in the creek. and it, But it sounded, like, kind of small to me. No, I'm sorry. So I, like, shined my phone light out the door and was, like, trying to illuminate it, but I didn't see anything. And then apparently was woken up at, like, 2 in the morning with, like, the police chasing somebody through the creek. Jesus. But I don't have any other, like, witnesses to it, and he said maybe it was a dream, but I'm not sure. <laughs> well, there and you go. thought he heard somebody in the creek last night. The thing is, there's a ton of animals roaming through the creek. Also, it's hot, so the animals are moving around a lot. Yeah. But, but it's also more crazy people come out when it gets hot, too. True. The freaks come out at night. Mm-hmm. The freaks come out at on night. Hot on hot yeah. nights. Yeah. yeah, especially. It's like everybody, everything's got energy to. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's true. And nobody can sleep, and so everybody's out. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so there was a fourth resident in Rhonda's trailer. Okay, because it was double wide. And this person was 28 years old and his name was Ty. He considered himself something of a tough guy. And he carried a gun, or he had a gun. Now, I've heard him described as having a sadistic side or a violent streak prior to this case, but I've never seen any details on that. One source, one of these TV shows, described him as claiming to be a bounty hunter. And the other show that I saw about him described him as claiming to be a bail bondsman. These are two very different things. Yeah. <laughs> very different things. So I don't think I really after reading up on him and stuff, I don't think he was really either. He was probably a poser, maybe a security guard or a bouncer or something. Well I think they're probably meaning someone like Dog the Bounty Hunter. <laughs> yeah, that's but that would be a bounty hunter, but a bail bondsman Well I think that's what he does is go after people who have skipped their bail. No, I think that's what he was trying to tell people that he did. Uh, but one of these shows, I'm just saying that these shows just cannot get it right, what was going on with these people. They all have to add their flair. Okay, whatever he was. In any event, Rhonda was convinced that Ty had experience and or criminal connections, and she believed that he would be an essential part of helping her new business grow. Also, although there was a healthy age gap between them, I did see at least one source that claimed Ty was Rhonda's boyfriend. The main thing about Ty is that he's a little older than the other guys, and because of that, they defer to him. 
He was also fond of boasting about how tough and hardcore he was, and the younger guys deferred to him in that capacity as well. And they might have deferred to him because he was mom's boyfriend. So I'm just going to call him Tough Tie. Lucky Land Casino, asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from, with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. So now there was one other guy hanging around Rhonda's trailer. He was a 20-year-old local boy, and I'm going to call him friend Jason. I don't think he was living there, but he was friends with the men in the house and was involved in their wannabe cartel in some way. And he was often at Rhonda's place. At the double so, Y. Yeah, at the double I'm Y. Just imagining, like, in their heads, they're thinking, they're like, El Chapo and his crew and stuff. And just just a bunch of meth heads getting together. You know what we should do? We should all become drug lords. We can do it, y'all. Come on, let's become drug lords. It's easy. You teach me how to break in, and I'll teach you how to sell drugs. Let's do it. Yeah, you know. Huh? When was it? This was in 2010. Was it after Breaking Bad? I think Breaking I, Bad was like right in its heyday, right about then. I think so. Yeah. So, oh, uh, I mean, that was probably a factor to it. Too. I'm sure it was. Uh, okay, so we have Rhonda, son Frank, Frank's buddy, friend Jason, Tough Ty, and Thief Cody, right? Now, Rhonda had apparently been binge-watching Breaking Bad and, <laughs> and fantasizing about living the life of a cartel queen. And see, also in Breaking Bad, I think one of the things was is that they weren't doing meth. I think Jesse... Well, yeah, but I think what's-his-face, main dude from Malcolm in the Middle, wasn't doing meth. That's the thing that Who's the dude from Malcolm in the Middle? The main character. Walter White. What's his name? He wasn't in Malcolm, was he? He was the dad. He was the dad in Malcolm in the Middle. And that's why it kills me, because it's like that... He went from A to B, yeah. He went through... Like, because he's like a family man at first, and... And then he's a drug lord. Who? What's his The main character. Brian Cranston. He was? Yeah. He was in Malcolm... He was the dad in Malcolm in the Middle. Oh, Malcolm in the Middle. You're saying Malcolm in the Middle, and I'm thinking... God, that is so fucking weird. You're saying he, you're saying Malcolm in the middle, and my brain is hearing everybody hates Chris, and oh I'm like, God, how the fuck? Jesus. I'm like, is is he? Was he on this? No. <laughs> yeah, he was the dad. They blackface. Yeah, him. I know. I'm like, how, how did I miss that he was on that show? Oh my God. Okay, I'm sorry. Okay. Fine. Um. Yeah, my brain just. <laughs> Everybody hates Chris. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Were you like watching that show recently or something, or just <laughs> just popped in there? Yeah. So, ooh, you know. All right. I'm pretty sure that Sandra Villa Beltran, La Reina Del Pacifico, was a big inspiration to her. 
Rhonda liked to refer to herself as the puppet master. Probably because she thought it was cool. I mean, it isn't. Can you make up your own nickname? I feel like that's something that should be given to you. Yeah, well, I mean, what are you going to do? Tell people to call you the puppet I mean, master. It kind of reminds call me, me the of master. It kind of reminds me of the giggler and how he's like, "Call me the giggler." I'm just like, what is this a Batman movie? Like Yeah, well, I'm I, the giggler. I he could just legally change his name to the Giggler. Like Maybe I, we, she legally changed her yeah. name to the Puppet Master. Okay. The Puppet Master. <laughs> okay, well, you know, that's a good way of conning people into telling you different things. Uh, probably because she thought it was cool, but it isn't, like I said. So, But uh, also because her reason for allowing these men to live in her spot, to congregate in her wonderful environs, was because they would then be useful to her. She would be providing them with a place to stay and hang and do their business. And in exchange, they would owe her favors. See? So the idea of being a gun mall was attracted to her for some reason. A mature woman with a gaggle of young men at her command for criminal endeavors. One of those men is your son. Yeah, I know, but is that the correct term, gaggle? Mm-hmm. Gaggle? Um, a murder of young men. Um, <laughs> a gaggle of young men. I mean, it's fitting enough. Yeah, it's okay. Passable. Yeah, all right. She she liked the idea. Now, son Frank was already under her command, and he wasn't going to let anyone disrespect his mom. And to her mind, it all came down to respect. She wasn't big or strong or prone to jump bad with someone just because they pissed her off. You know, she wasn't going to be intimidating to a man. She was dependent upon these young men to enact her will, and the only way that was going to continue was for them to continue to respect her, right? So, yeah, right? Right? Come on. Can I get, like... Yeah, uh, yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. So she she was also aware that, as convenient as the commute to work might have been, there were some perils to running a meth distribution business from one's own home. No, really? (laughs) Who would have thought... Now, she did her level best to impress upon her entourage that silence was the watchword. And she didn't want the cops to have any single excuse to darken her doorstep. So, for the most part, everyone was satisfied with the situation. But there was one calculation that had failed Rhonda. She had this roomy trailer full of drugs, testosterone, and money. The only thing missing was Poonani. Yeah. And Rhonda was shite as a mom, but she wasn't that kind of shite. She wasn't going to be providing any extra punani for anybody. Thank God. You know? Okay, so enter Destiny. Uh-oh. And what can we say about this girl? She was the local punani. Well, first of all, she was fucking hell of young. She had attended just five weeks of ninth grade. Oh, my God. Before she supposedly got into an argument with her grandmother and ran away from home. She was cute, vivacious, and that was probably part of her problem. She'd moved in with her grandmother only a few months earlier, and that was due to her mother having some issues with the law. Her mom went to jail for a while, and Destiny, who was about 14 at the time, needed to go live with her grandmother. Sometimes you find yourself presented with situations that you could handle if you were working on all cylinders, but... In the end, you've got to work with the resources and wherewithal you have available to you at the time, even if it's not enough. Yeah, and cooking, this is known as the loaves and fishes routine. 
suggest everybody get good at that. Destiny's mom had a substance abuse problem either at this time or around this time. That addiction primarily made her unavailable either emotionally or physically, but ultimately both since she's in jail, right? Mm -hmm. So Destiny, going through adolescence, needed her mom then. And her mother would have been much better equipped to help her deal with the things she was facing than her grandma. For one thing, grandma was generationally removed from the types of pressures that Destiny was experiencing. Also, these types of confrontations between Destiny's mom and grandma when Destiny's mom was a teenager did not go very well. It wasn't the cause, but it was a contributing factor to her drug addiction. And Grandma had not undertaken any kind of extra training in rearing adolescence in the interim of years. So there was no reason to believe she would be able to deal with destiny more or even as effectively, right? And, you know, no offense, the Grandma was just not the person that destiny needed at that moment. And I feel sorry for her. any Grandma who finds herself in that situation. I mean... If you had a hell of a time getting your kid through their teen years and now you're expected to do it all over again with less energy and a wider generation gap. Mm -hmm. And that's got to suck balls and not in a pleasant fashion. So here we have Destiny who just turned 15 in August, attended a few weeks of ninth grade. And even though she was a good student and her teachers considered her promising, she dropped out. Even though she had some good friends her own age, even though she'd been involved in her church and sang in church performances, even though all of that, she was struggling emotionally. The people available to her, even though they loved her, weren't available to help her or didn't realize she needed help. So she was high-functioning, so they missed it. Whatever, you know? She was a pretty girl. But I just want to stress that in no way did she look any older than she was. You know, so, meaning she was pretty, but she was a pretty young girl. And anyone who's ever been to middle school or junior high knows that we don't all hit puberty at the same time and in the same way. I mean, have you seen a teenager lately? Yeah. They, they look like a teenager. They look like they're 30. Yeah, well, they are, huh? Inexperienced and shit. I suppose so. Yeah, yeah. I'm just thinking. Boys liked her. Girls were jealous of her, and that was something she didn't enjoy. Now, it's not really clear how much she enjoyed the attention she was getting from the boys, but she didn't, she didn't like that the girls were picking on her, and it didn't make her want to go to school. Also, although she was young, she claimed that she was smoking weed. She also claimed that people called her spades, which she was spelling <laughs> with the number three as the E and a Z at the end. Yeah, I know. I'm almost positive no one was calling her that. And that was just some crap she was posting online because she thought it was cool. Again, making up your own nickname. Yeah, I know. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So, Destiny was your average American 15-year-old girl. And as such, she did a lot of dumb things. And she made a lot of stupid choices. And she took ridiculous risks with her own safety. And she was a terrible judge of character. Basically, she was your average American 15-year-old girl. And I can't judge her for this because who the fuck should be judged by the idiotic, self-destructive crap you did at 15? It's like penalizing a toddler for falling as they're learning to walk. Yeah, I feel like you have a certain amount of dumbassery that you can do as a kid. This is the time to mm -hmm. do the dumbassery, so you're not doing it as a grown-up. This is how we learn. Exactly. This is how we grow. <laughs> 
So in any event, Destiny and her grandma weren't getting along, so she chose to run away from home. And I don't know if she started staying out with friends or whether she just went directly to hang around in the streets. And I've come across several different versions of this part of the story, but this is the most believable to me. While she was out there in the street, she met Tough Ty. Not sure what Ty's initial motivation was. Anyway, he saw her out there and commiserated with her predicament. He bought her something to eat and advised her that it was dangerous out in the world. And he may have even shooed away some creepy dudes that were bothering her. That's how you get him. Eventually, he told her, well, you know, you could crash at my place for a while. And he'd been kind to her. She might have felt safe. Also, when he described his place as a rented room in the house of a woman about her mom's age, she probably found that information kind of reassuring. Just forgot the meth part. Yeah, just leave that part out. He was telling her to move in with them in the trailer? Mm-hmm. With four, already have four people? I mean, I know it's a double wide. But... <laughs> a double wide does not mean it's got bedrooms. It might have a bedroom. Maybe, if you're fucking lucky. Again. You're like meth. <laughs> <laughs> wait, 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 where am I? Okay, so uh, when Tough Tie brought Destiny home, he initially introduced her as his niece. No doubt that was in case anyone inquired as to why he had this obviously young girl in his room. And maybe it worked for a moment. That's still inappropriate, though. I would still be sus if, like, a grown man was, like, sleeping with a young girl. I'm sure Rhonda no didn't buy what it. Their relationship is. I'm sure Rhonda wasn't buying that shit. Yeah. You know, she's like, oh, that's your niece all of a sudden, huh? Yeah. This niece I've never heard of and shit. Okay. Spell her name. What'd you say? What year was she born? Yeah, exactly. Now, in the meantime, keep in mind that Destiny suddenly found herself crashing in a drug den. <laughs> Basically, God. everyone in the house was smoking meth or shooting it up or shooting up heroin. And this was the environment she found herself in. There may have been a part of her that wanted to know what her mom experienced. There may have been a part of her that thought she was fated to be where she was. She mm-hmm. may have even been shrewdly calculating her risks. But being a 15-year-old, she was calculating the wrong risks. I don't know when or even if Destiny's relationship with Tough Ty became sexual. It may never have happened. What Ty did do was encourage Destiny to sample the drugs around her. Another thing he did was to assist her in this by shooting her up with heroin nightly. He, I'm sorry, he comes in, you know what a flight is, right? Like a beer flight, where they give you like different samplers and shit. He comes in with a flight of like drugs. <laughs> I'm like, here, sample these. <laughs> he did, he was a great host. It was on a little cheese platter. You know. <laughs> well, what do you think they're doing when they're experimenting with drugs? Do you really think there's like fucking protective eyewear and shit going on. (laughs) So, um, another thing he did was to assist her in this by shooting her up with heroin nightly. And this made it easier to pimp her out. I knew that's where that was going. And he did that too. Now, Rhonda wasn't having feelings of maternal affection for Destiny. She did not like the fact that the girl was in her spot at all, observing their operation. She marked her as a liability immediately. But Tough Tie had brought her in, and Tough Tie was the one person under her roof that Rhonda had a kind of admiration for. And he convinced her that he had plans for Destiny. He would turn her out, and they would use her to make money. I think Rhonda was prepared to accept Destiny as a cash cow as long as she 
would prove profitable. But she was never comfortable with the age thing. She always viewed it as something that destiny had over them. Now, let's face it. These people were all sitting around smoking meth. That's what they came up with as business plans and logical steps that made sense. All that I just explained to you. As meth does. Yes. And see, it's all filtered through a crack pipe. And so it's not going to make any logical sense. All that logic just kind of gets filtered yeah, out through that like, crack pipe. Yeah, you start smoking and it just starts flowing around, I guess. I don't know. Destiny wasn't a prisoner, though. She was staying in Rhonda's trailer voluntarily. She had access to her social media. She was in communication with friends. She began leaning heavily into a goth emo sort of thing. The whole nobody gets me thing. And the dark makeup and all. But one thing I want to make clear here, Destiny's stay at Rhonda's was only a matter of a week or two, something like that. All of this stuff happened to her in that short period of time. And they managed to pimp her out in a week? It's crazy. I mentioned that Rhonda was just tolerating Destiny, just barely. It was more than her lurking around Rhonda's criminal headquarters. Rhonda didn't hide her disapproval of Destiny, and the 15-year-old girl responded with sarcasm and attitude. She's 15. She certainly wasn't going to give a meth head like Rhonda more respect than she'd given to her grandmother. And it didn't matter that she was staying in Rhonda's house. Rhonda allowed all sorts of shit to go on in her house, and that reflected on her. So she's sitting around smoking meth in her house with her 19-year-old son. It's not exactly in a position to take the moral high ground with anyone over anything, you know? Well, my thought is, like, you kind of want to be somewhat... I don't think the word compliant. Respectful. You would because, but you know, maybe you're in that situation and maybe, I don't know. It it seems to me there was some nasty going on. You know, I think that she was picking up, like, I think that Rhonda was really like not nice to her. And so after a while she was like thinking, well, shit, y'all using, you know, I'm, Turned out making money for you guys. That's good enough for you. I don't know. Anyway. So, uh, Destiny, the 15-year-old, showed her disdain for Rhonda by carving her little spades moniker into a piece of furniture in Rhonda's spot. Uh Uh-oh. Turf war. Old girl was livid. Now, that I full-on understand now. And Destiny's attitude about it was something snarky regarding the shit quality of the furniture, which, no. You know, you just don't. You know, that's something you don't do. But if you recall, earlier I mentioned that Rhonda had a thing about respect. She was aware that she had a little middle-aged woman, or she was a little... She was aware that she was a little middle-aged woman, and her authority meant nothing if she didn't have respect. This little 15-year-old girl had been lipping off at her in front of the boys. Rhonda could only view that as undermining her authority. If she allowed it to continue, it would prove corrosive to the respect of the others, Besides, it was her fucking house, and who was this little whore to jump in her spot and act that way? So, a.k.a. that was a bad situation. So, now, the one person who definitely thought that Destiny was a pretty girl and worthy of his time and attention turned out to be son Frank, Rhonda's son. And that would be the straw that broke the camel's back Mm. as far as Rhonda was concerned, because she couldn't have her son siding with the enemy. She had been using... Her son is a surrogate. Her criminal enterprise was based on his serving as her body, so to speak. You know, she'd be the mastermind, you know, and he would be the muscle. He's like public relations for her. So she wasn't going to lose him to Poos. She just wasn't. So the relationship... 
Coochie. <laughs> the relationship between Destiny and Son Frank is not really clear. At some point, they did begin having sex with each other, and it could have been that they liked each other. It could also be that she was being paid or otherwise induced to have sex with him, even if she didn't like him. So, who knows? But they did have sex, and Rhonda found out about it. Mm-hmm. Methamphetamine is not known as a drug that will aid a person in thinking calmly or rationally. Far from it. It is not known as a mood stabilizer. Mm -mm. It might surprise you to know that it actually has a tendency to make people jittery, paranoid, and unreasonable. And unreasonably horny. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we won't get into that part just yet, but Rhonda... Just yet. (laughs) Rhonda became convinced that now Destiny was a threat to her son's freedom. Destiny was 15, Frank was 19, and therefore statutory rape was on the table. And she was sure that as soon as Destiny was done with them, she would run around and blab them out to the cops. And she let the boys know what she was thinking. And the more she spoke to them about it, the more she was able to persuade not only them but herself that Destiny was going to land them all in the pokey. So they sat around, talked about it, smoked meth, talked about it so they logically planned this tough tie reassured Rhonda that he knew how to take care of it but he'd need some supplies from her to facilitate the crime (laughs) and disposal I'm sure meth was the cloud it all floated on I mean I feel like if you're going to do something to what I think they're about to do you would probably want to be as high as possible well, I think they were probably always the science, as you know, I, I think that's where this plan came from. <laughs> I really do. So she asked him to give her a list of what he would need, and he did. The list included a tent bag, three shovels, a comforter, duct tape, lime, rope, and brass knuckles. Rhonda, serious as fuck, took the list and went out and bought everything. She brought the items home. See, if I were the person who they bought all that shit from... I'd have questions. Well, what do you like, let me just take down this person. Well, I don't know. Did you get all this stuff in one shop? What's the shop that sells shovels and brass knuckles? Walmart. <laughs> yeah, I know. I was just thinking that. Walmart. Well, yeah, okay. And it's fitting, too, with the, the people. Yeah, it is. You might need those. You might need all of that. The rope, the tape, the lime. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> But nothing happened. So they, she brought all this stuff home, but they didn't do anything with it. Time passed. Just wasted a bunch of money. Yeah, she's just, it's just there. So in the interim, though, Destiny was reaching some important conclusions of her own. And she decided she didn't want to be part of this redneck mafia. She wanted to leave. Now, it wasn't clear whether her intention was to go home to Grandma's or somewhere else, but she was finished with Rhonda and the boys. And this was two weeks? Or has this already been longer now? This is all. This has all been happening. Yeah, like a like a week or two. Jesus Christ! So much is happening. With you know, when you're <laughs> zipping around on meth, I guess time gets Everyone compressed. Gets everything done. You know, shit. Clean my house, man. That's yeah, how you do it. Yeah, well, yeah. that's why it isn't done. <laughs> okay, so it turns out. Um, that of all the nutty decisions that Destiny made over the last few weeks, the one that got her killed was assuming the guys that she'd been living with for the last couple of weeks were friendly enough with her that she felt that she should let them know she was planning on leaving. Mm. 
If she had just left, she would have left. But Because remember, she was coming and going. But she told them goodbye. And then she went to Tough Ty's room to gather her things up. Aww. Now, knowing Rhonda's feelings on the subject, the boys decided to tell Rhonda that Destiny was on her way out. And immediately, Rhonda decided to put their plan into action. It didn't take her long to spur them to motion, and I'm sure some smoking happened in there. Tough Ty went into the room and shot Destiny up with heroin, as he'd been doing. But this time, he gave her a potentially lethal dose. Thief Cody and friend Jason got the weapons. And in the meantime, son Frank realized what his mother was asking him to do, and it hit him like a bucket of cold water. Now, they're all high, but he has a brief moment of clarity. And he told his mother that he doesn't want to do this. There's got to be some other way. There's, I really, really don't want to do this, Mom. This doesn't seem like a good idea, but she hugged him, gave him a kiss, and said, I know you don't want to do this, but some things just have to happen. Don't worry. Everything will be all right. That great parental advice. Mm -hmm. So let's recap this situation. At this point, we have poor 15-year-old, maybe 100-pound Destiny, drugged but still conscious. We have four grown-ass men, ages 18 to 28, armed with a baseball bat, brass knuckles, and a samurai sword. And they proceed to kick, what, <laughs> beat, and stomp on this tiny young person for a protracted period of time, including calling it, like, let's do Mark McGuire's while they slam the bat into her shin bones. Rhonda wasn't going to be satisfied with a fatal overdose. She wanted Destiny to suffer for her insolence. And she did. She was beaten all over her face and body. And although she struggled against these men, it wasn't like she had any kind of chance. They had tied her up before they beat her up. And she was like only 100 pounds. Come on. What's that about? So eventually, when they were exhausted with beating on her, they took her body out to Rhonda's pickup truck. And she was placed in the back. In the cargo bed. Tough Ty, friend Jason, and son Frank rode up front. Thief Cody was in the back with the body. Now it's night, and they're on their way out to the site in Santa Margarita that Tough Ty had previously selected for the body disposal. It's about a half hour drive, but they need to stop for gas. One source that I read on this case reported that the pickup truck had a camper shell, but I only saw that once. Also, another source reported that there was surveillance video from the gas station that recorded this scene, which would not have been possible if there was a camper shell, so make of that what you will. So, this pickup pulls into a Chevron station in Pismo Beach. The guys who had been in the cab of the truck went inside for sodas and chips and were goofing around in there with the sunglasses. Thief Cody, in the bed of the truck with a body, realizes that Destiny isn't dead. She's wriggling around and making noises. As this is happening, a police vehicle pulls into the station and cops get out and go inside. They start checking out son Frank and friend Jason. Because <laughs> yeah, there's something sketch about them <laughs> fooling around in there. Now, in the meantime, Thief Cody saw the cops, so he's aware that they're on the scene. And he's afraid that he'll be discovered back there struggling around with Destiny. So he punched her in the face a few times to quiet her. Eventually, the others returned to the vehicle, and then they continued on to Santa Margarita. Think this story's over? No. Yeah. It's meth. Of course it's not over. They still have a thousand things they need to do. So at about 5 o'clock in the morning... The cops in Santa Margarita start receiving calls from people reporting a brush fire. 
When the police arrive at this location, they find a burn pit lined with lime containing the burned and battered remains of a girl in a canvas sack. Oh, no. She had sweatpants tied around her neck and was missing an eye. What? Apparently, when they put Destiny in the grave and lit it on fire, they hadn't accounted for the rapid ignition resulting in an explosion that woke up everyone in the area. Meth. Being California, you know, they're going to report the slightest fire anyway. And where at again? That's all it takes. This was in Santa Margarita. Yeah, of course. <laughs> Especially around there. Yeah, so you have the police out there. You have the firemen out there. And then suddenly, emerging from the woods, comes a disoriented young man with blood streaming down his face and his nose all but severed. He has difficulty speaking as his jaw is broken and will require being wired shut. This young man is Thief Cody. When they had arrived at Santa Margarita and Thief Cody was finally permitted to climb out of the close quarters he'd occupied with a badly injured girl who was begging him for forgiveness and apologizing and pleading with him to tell her mother that she loved her, he wasn't quite as calm and collected as the other guys were. Believe it or not, Destiny was still alive at this point, or was, until Tough Tie found a glove somewhere put it into Destiny's mouth and continued to push it deeper until it was lodged in her throat. Eventually, Destiny succumbed to his asphyxiation from the glove, exacerbated by the drugs in her system. The task at hand was the digging of the grave. Three men on meth probably made quick work of that. <laughs> but Thief Cody wasn't handling things well. He kept questioning whether or not she was really dead. Apparently, her head was visible through the opening of the canvas sack, and while digging the grave, Thief Cody began freaking himself out by insisting that she wasn't dead. In fact, she was staring at him, and he could see her looking at him through the hole in the bag, accusingly. Now, whether it was Thief Cody who did it or Tough Tie, I'm thinking it was Tough Tie, one of them snatched Destiny's eye out with their bare hand. Because oh I think it was God. Ty because he was standing outside the grave with the body so he probably did that to say like look she's dead okay he pulled the eye out oh, oh god but thief cody had another problem a problem he didn't know about but he did find out when the others began beating him in the head with their shovels cody scrambled out of the grave struggled with son frank briefly but was able to take off running into the woods frank followed but since since this was a well-planned crime neither of them had flashlights so no, so neither of them could see a fucking thing. So Cody was able to hide, and it didn't take long for Frank to just say fuck it and stop looking for him. And that meth head that escaped was the one that knocked on your door at night, Jay. You know, maybe. <laughs> Remember, he was asking, "They're coming after me." Remember that? Let me in. No, yeah. You're just gonna do me like that? You're just yes. Leave me out of here. Yes. yes. <laughs> if they're chasing you, we don't want to bring you in here. Yeah, you don't want to come in here. This is Mr. Gilmore's property. <laughs> so friend Jason, son Frank, and tough Ty jumped into Rhonda's pickup truck and drove off to Jack in the Box for tacos, as you do. Oh, fun. Now, it turns out that... Cheap $1 tacos. Yeah. Tacos. When you work up an appetite... It turns out that somehow Tough Tie and Rhonda had got it in their heads that Thief Cody was a police informant. Having, somehow got it in their heads? We yeah. all know how. Yeah, well, they smoked it into their heads. <laughs> uh, they lit it and inhaled. 
Having concluded that he knew too much about their great operation there, they decided to execute him with destiny, kind of like a twofer. Maybe they thought getting rid of two bodies at the same time was easier than getting rid of two bodies separately, but then again, I think one just gets into trouble trying to describe coherent thought to paranoid chicken heads. Like, what was their plan for Thief Cody? Once they lost him in the woods, what did they think was going to happen? Nothing. That's why they went to Jack in the Box. <laughs> Apparently, because, like, according to the police, they would have had their work, you know, they would have had their work cut out for them. They would have had to work for their pay if Thief Cody hadn't been left to stroll the wilderness as a walking fount of information. Also, he wasn't an informant until the police found him out there with his nose hanging off. <sighs> All five of the conspirators were arrested the very next day, including Rhonda. During the legal proceedings that followed, several witnesses were reluctant to testify for the prosecution because the defendants were alleged to have ties with white supremacist groups, as you would in your double wide. And meth. Mm, there you go. The upshot was pretty sad. One person decides to cosplay a cartel queen and ruins five lives. Six if you count her own. And of course, that calculation doesn't include loved ones and the impact it has on them. Tough Ty, Son Frank, and Rhonda received sentences of life without the possibility of parole. Friend Jason received a sentence of 15 to life. Now, this was actually revisited last year when he was paroled, but then had his parole overturned by Governor Newsom. He was like, no. no. Wow. And this brings us to Thief Cody. Thief Cody had accused Tough Tie of sexually assaulting him prior to the murder of Destiny. He claimed that Tough Tie had used a baseball bat to rape him. Oh, yeah. Jesus Christ. I'm not sure how far in advance of the crime this was supposed to have happened, whether it was supposed to have been that same day or before that or what, but it seems that nothing came of those accusations. Well, Cody rejected a plea deal that would have capped his sentence at 39 years. Instead, he opted to take a life sentence without the possibility of parole. His attorney gave him... Pretty nice in here. Yeah, well, so that was, that, again, that meth logic. Well, his attorney gave as his reason that he felt that he was not fit to live in society anymore. And I he, mean, that may be fair. He actually committed suicide in prison oh, in 2016. Oh. That sucks. Yeah, so that's the story of a bunch of meth heads. It sure yeah. is. I mean, it's that thing of, uh, like, you, you summed it up perfectly. Cosplay. Yeah. <laughs> because it's just like, again, I just imagine a bunch of meth heads out there like, you know what we should do? Yeah. We should start a fucking cartel. We should do crimes, man. Let's do crimes. Yeah. I want somebody to, uh, to, like, implot, to, like, say that media will cause people to go out and do bad things but at the same time it does sure encourage some wild behavior especially if you're on meth yeah especially if you're on meth and you're already like living this life trying to sell drugs and Mm -hmm. trying to make drugs the center of your life in all kinds of ways you know if it could be your lover too it would and again i say (laughs) out of all the drugs they chose the like most tacky one you know cocaine i mean that's at least that's a hell of a drug. Done. <laughs> yeah. That's almost to their detriment. They get too much shit done. Yeah, they run yeah, out of shit and then start doing shit that doesn't need to be done. And they're there using. Why are you problem. painting the toilet? <laughs> oh my god! Did you see that fucking footage of that person taking their toilet seat off and putting it in their dishwasher? Yes. 
Yes. With their dishes. Why? Because they're stupid. Why would you do? Why would you just wipe it down? Because you care more about the booty flakes on your ass than you do about the booty flakes in your dishes. Just like a meth head. And with that said, thank you for listening to the Bent and Twisted <laughs> podcast. If you liked what you heard, make or sure even to da- if you did. <laughs> make sure to download, rate, and review. And just as a sidebar, if you're on meth, please get some help. Anyway, okay. Joking. Until next time, get bent. Get, get bent. And- and twisted. And twisted. The worst outro ever. Oh, well, bye, bye, guys. <laughs> Goodbye.